0: If you have your Bibles, would you please open them to Matthew chapter 28? Matthew chapter 28. We'll start here. We're going to launch into a different part of uh, the Bible, but we're going to start here. And I want to give you a little context of what's happening. This is after the resurrection of Christ. Jesus has made approximately about 13 different appearances. To different people. He's, he's appeared to the ladies. He's appeared to the disciples. He's appeared to 500. He's made various appearances throughout after His resurrection. And, and He's appearing to them one more time right before the ascension. The ascension is basically the moment He's taken into heaven to sit at the throne uh, next to His Father for all of eternity. And this is the moment before it happens. He's given His final instructions, His final address to the church. And I want you all to see this in Matthew 28. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But I want you all to read this last phrase together. What's it say? But some doubted. This morning, if you allow me, I want to speak on this topic of doubts. You know, in all of my years in ministry, I don't think I've ever sat under a time where people said it was okay to have doubts. I think we had to put on a tough face sometimes, like we have it all figured out. And if you ever have any questions, then you just keep that to yourself, right? But let's be honest, sometimes, sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we have questions. And this, let, let me just say, sometimes we have Doubts. This morning, we're going to talk about that topic. So let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your goodness and grace. God, I thank you that you are not scared of our doubts. God, you do not run away when we have questions. And so, Father, help us, help us this morning to learn what it means to be a doubting disciple. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I love this. First of all, this tells me... By the way, I can, I can get out this square, can I? Yes, I can. I can't? Are they preaching out there? I can. I'm getting the thumbs up from the... Okay. I'm getting out of the square. All right. Uh, <laughs> I hate that square. Uh, <laughs> Tim Barbie's out of Fairview preaching this morning. That's another reason I can do that. I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget something or got my dates wrong. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> I love the scriptures have this phrase in there that some doubted. Because here's the thing, if Christianity was a made-up religion, wouldn't you want to hide details like this? If they were just putting this together, a bunch of fake stories and fairy tales, and they're trying to get a fake religion going, you would leave out details like some people doubted. The people closest to Jesus, people looking at Jesus after the resurrection saying, I don't believe this. And so I'm thankful that that's in there. But here's a funny thing about humanity. This is what I've observed about humanity. We like to see other people struggle. Like this gives me comfort to see that these disciples struggled. I'm like, oh thank the Lord, these guys are struggling. Because I struggle. And you might be thinking, I don't I don't believe that. Let let me let me bring you back to a time when you used to be in school. For some of y'all, school just started again. And, and, and so you this is gonna be fresh to you. But you remember what it's like to sit down with a test? And you look at this test, and you look at the first question, and you're thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, be with me today. You see the question, and then, you, and then you work the problem, and then after you've worked the problem, you realize the answer you got to the question isn't even an option for an answer. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, what did I do? And, and I'm going to tell you, this brought me great comfort, is when I would look over at the smart kid in class, because every class had a smart kid. And you look over the smart kid in class and he's scratching his head too? That made me feel good. I'm like, maybe I'm not an idiot. Like, Maybe I'm not. stupid. And so it brings me comfort when I start seeing other people failing as well. These, these young guys, man, in, in TSM, they're starting to hit puberty and starting to get muscles and muscle definition. And so they're going to the gym and working out and they're posting these pictures and they're tagging me in these pictures of them flexing. And they're like, where are you at, Andrew? And so as I'm... As an old guy, older guy, I, I, I understand there's going to be a day they're going to get stronger than me. I understand that. But for now, I'll just show up at the gym every now and then, and I'll put some weight on the bench press, and I'll start benching. I'm like, your turn. And they get underneath it. I said, thank you, and I just walk out, <laughs> right? Because you enjoy seeing other people struggle, Right? How many of you have ever tried to do something off of Pinterest? You see, uh, it's going to be mostly ladies probably raise their hand, but there might be some guys. Don't be ashamed, fellas. All right. You see, uh, you see uh, maybe a, a recipe, maybe an art project. Maybe you see uh, some pictures, some family photos. You're like, that's a good idea. We should try that. And then you try it, and it not turn out the way the pictures show you on Pinterest. Anybody? Can, can I have a witness? Let me give you some examples. Let me give you some examples of some Pinterest fails. Could you imagine bringing that to your child's birthday party? That'd give you nightmares. What about, what about this one? Yeah, he really did melt. Uh, what's about this one? The cookie Monster. Okay, how about this one? Oh, that looks cute. We should try it. That poor baby's in a cocoon right now. All right, what about this? That's me before I eat the cookie, and that's me after I eat the cookie. That's what that is. How about this one? You know y'all have done that before. If you have a waffle maker, it's not easy. All right, next one. one. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. There you go. That baby looked like it just got off work. He's just tired. Now, now, why am I showing you this? Because I want you to understand that sometimes we fail and sometimes we don't measure up and sometimes we struggle and we sometimes have this mentality that everybody else has got it together and we're the only ones struggling. And I want to help you out this morning and let you know that people have doubts. And sometimes there's hard questions. And my hope today is I want to show you that your doubts handle properly can actually be a catalyst to get you to a place of stronger faith. Because in my life, I'm on this pendulum at times. where I'm, I'm over here where I'm full of faith. Man, I, I just feel the presence of God. Man, I know He's with me. I just feel like, like He's just tangible in the room. And then the worship happens and just, you get that ugly cry going in the middle of worship. Man, you just know God is real. I've been in those moments, but I've also been on the other side where I have lack of faith and I wonder God are you even here God do you see me God do you even care God where are you God I don't even know if you exist and so I find myself oftentimes going from one place to the other and I'm I'm convinced in my little bit of time as as a minister I've been in in ministry for over 16 plus years, and I found out that people will leave the church not because God is not good, but because they have questions they don't feel safe asking. People will leave the church not because God isn't good, but because they have questions they don't feel comfortable asking. And so in, in fear of being embarrassed or in fear of being uh, felt like they're less than or, or what, they just quietly exit. And and, and I want you to understand that it's okay. Let me me just poll the room right now. Have you ever had a doubt or a hard question you seem you couldn't answer? Anybody in here be willing to raise your hand? I want y'all to take a look around. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I want y'all to look around. Why don't we talk about this more? Why do we have to pretend and put on this charade that you're supposed to have it figured out? So... I want to give you three reasons why I think people doubt. Three main reasons I think people doubt. Number one, I feel it's because there are questions that they cannot answer. There are questions they cannot answer. So maybe they find, a, in their mind, they find a contradiction in Scripture. Well, it says this here and it says this over here. I don't understand. How can these two things be true? And, and they feel like they can't reconcile things in Scripture. Or maybe, maybe I talked I talk to one person and he says, well, I read this article Quit reading articles. He says, I read this article and it says science says this, but the Bible says this. I don't understand it in school. It says this, but my preacher says this. And so there's these 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 things they feel like they can't reconcile these hard questions and truths. They seem to not be able to find an answer to. And, And and maybe I had one guy says, man, the one thing that keeps me from really going towards Christianity is the exclusive claim that Jesus is the only way. He says, because I know some really good Hindu people and I, knew some, I know some really good Buddhist people and the idea that Jesus is the only way, man, that's hard for me to accept. I don't understand how that can be true and there'd be so many other good people, right? And so there's people who struggle with that, that, that have these answers, they don't feel like they can, they can, or these questions they don't feel like they can answer and I think another reason they doubt is because there's situations that seem unfair. How many of you watch the news? There's a lot of things on the news right now that I don't think is too fair. I, I don't think it's fair that innocent children in the Ukraine got blown up. I don't think it's fair that there's human trafficking. Young ladies that are getting stolen and putting into human trafficking. That's not fair to me. And so if people will look at this world and say, if God is real, if God is good, if God exists, if God is powerful, then why are these things existing? Why is there such thing as people starving to death when I'm throwing away fruit, uh, food every day? Right? Like these, these are some situations that seem a little unfair. And people struggle with that. And, 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 and I, I, maybe it's not a global thing, but a personal thing. God, why did you give my loved one cancer? God, why did you do this to my family? God, why did my husband have to die? God, why did my children have to leave? And because of a situation that seems unfair, people will start having these doubts and these questions and these things that they feel like they cannot answer. Are y'all with me? Maybe it's because there's a hurt that they cannot resolve. A hurt they cannot resolve. Maybe something has happened to you. A past trauma. A past abuse. Something terrible has happened in your past and it continually haunts you. And it comes up in your mind all the time and it makes you wonder... God, were you even there? God, do you even care? Why did I have to go through this? Maybe it's not so much that, but maybe, maybe I mean, it seems every time you turn on the news, there's some pastor getting revealed for some kind of sexual something that's happened. And you're thinking, how can, how can men of God keep stumbling like this? And so there's these things, these hurts that cannot be resolved. Maybe, maybe you're like, you know what? My daddy loved Jesus, but he loved other women too. And so I I got some baggage. I got some hurts that I don't seem, I can't resolve. I got some things that in my past that keep coming up. One person, one person said this. He says, the reason I doubt is because what I read in scripture, I don't see it in the church. Gandhi, y'all know who Gandhi is? Gandhi said this, the Indian civil rights movement leader. He said this, he says, I love your Christ. Christ. But I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And so, for some people, they hear what we're saying, but they're looking at how we're living, and it makes them doubt. So, so today, so today, this is what I want to do. I want to show today that your doubts handled properly can absolutely be the catalyst to stronger faith. Your doubts don't have to take you away from God. Your doubts can actually draw you closer to God. And I want you to understand this. This is going to be a big, big part of this message. Is that you need to understand that your faith is a journey, not a destination. You will not ever, ever, ever reach perfect faith this side of heaven. And so the idea and the mentality that somehow you just got to learn a little bit more and you got to attend a little bit more and you got to involve yourself a little bit more to get to that perfect faith. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen this side of heaven. Your faith is a journey. It's a step every single day. And what I have learned in my Christian walk is you get to enjoy God on the mountaintops, but you get to learn intimately about God in the valleys. And so you have to live life sometimes to have a deeper understanding of faith, a deeper understanding of who God is. And so just like uh, I, I, know, I, know, I know some of you think, well, if I just learn a little bit more, I just, if I educate myself a little bit more, I just read my, my Bible a lot more, I will come to that place of perfect faith. I want to help you understand that knowledge does not equal faith. Knowledge does not equal faith. Do you know who the first word to know that Jesus Christ is the son of God? The demons. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They had good theology. They didn't have faith. And so there's a difference. Faith is a journey. And faith is personal. It's not inherited. What I've noticed so much down in TSM, being a youth pastor down there for almost seven years now, what I've noticed is this. My juniors and seniors become less and less committed, less and less involved, and you start seeing them start fading away. Why? Because they're coming to that place and that, that in their, own, their, their ownership of their faith. They're realizing that the faith they have grown up in is not really theirs yet. Like they have maybe made a confession of faith, they may be saved, but they really haven't pursued Christ on their own yet. And so now all of a sudden they're getting a little bit of independence. They're getting a little bit of, you know, freedom to go do things. Get a job, get a girlfriend, get a boyfriend. They're getting more involved in sports, more involved in school. And all of a sudden their faith in their relationship with Christ is taking a back seat. Because faith is not inherited. It's personal. And you're going to have to work through some things. And if there's questions and there's times of uh, of just, you know, I wonder. I want you to understand that when you have questions, when you have doubts, it's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. It's a time to ask questions. Questions are okay. So, here's what we're going to do. Get your Bibles primed up. We're going to go to John chapter 20 now. I told you we're going to start in Matthew 28. Now we're going to jump to John chapter 20. I, I hope you understand today after we finish this that you'll discover that the strongest faith isn't the faith that never has doubts. But the strongest faith is the faith that grows in spite of doubts. The strongest faith is not a faith that has no doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through the doubts. And it's possible. And so we're going to see a, a man here in just a second. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, we had a guest speaker come to our church. You don't ever know what you're going to get sometimes with a guest speaker. Uh, some of y'all know that. Uh, some of y'all look at that outline, and you're like, oh, who's today? I know some of y'all, <laughs> Oh, Steve down here in the front row, He said, like, I looked at this outline, I knew it wasn't preacher, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but we had a guest speaker when I was a teenager in, 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 at the church, and he come in, and he preached and says, if you've ever had a doubt, you are not saved. If you've ever had doubts, you are not saved was a 17-year-old man who had recently gotten saved. I had a lot of questions. (laughs) And I had a lot of doubts. And this man's telling me I'm not saved. Because I had questions like, man, in school, they're saying... My church is saying the Bible tells us that the earth is only like 6,000 years old. But when I go to school, they're saying there's fossils that are 20 million years old. How? I look at the sky, I'm like, man, God is good. And then somebody else says, yeah, that was the Big Bang. OK. Uh, OK. Um, but and then you start reading stuff and you see that God is angry at one man, but instead of killing that one man, he kills an entire nation. God, why don't you just take out the one man? You know, I'm, I'm having real questions, right? I'm having real, real like mind twisters. And this man's telling me if I have doubts, I'm not saved. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just trying to figure things out. I just don't know. And I need some help. And so I see this man here in John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 24. He says this, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus had one of his post-resurrection appearances. He appears to the men and and Thomas was not with them when this happened. He says the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the uh, print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. This man has now forever been known. Do you know his nickname? Doubting Doubting Thomas. Thomas. Nowhere in scripture, by the way, do you ever see him referred to as Doubting Thomas. That's what we elite know it all Christians have claimed him to be. What a doubter. What a loser doubting Jesus. I would never do that, right? So here we are calling him Doubting Thomas for all these thousands of years. We call him Doubting Thomas. He's notoriously known as Doubting Thomas because he just said, I just don't, I don't believe it, guys. I want to see it myself. Is that so hard? I mean, I just want to be, I want empirical evidence. I want it to be tangible for myself. I understand what you're saying, but And and, and the way they said we have seen the Lord, what's very funny in the Greek, it's an active tense. In other words, they keep saying it and keep saying it. Ever been on a road trip with little kids? All right. All right. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? He's touching me. He's touching me. He's touching me. Stop. 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 It's a constant. And your wife's in the front seat going, I got to pee. I got to pee. I got to (laughs) pee. Right? You know, it's just continuous over and over. And that's basically what's happening right now. We saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. We saw. Oh, Thomas, you should have been there. We saw the Lord. we seen him. You missed out, Thomas. We saw the Lord. And then he stops and says, but hey, until I put my hands in his hands and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. And I'm here to tell you that the reason Thomas is getting a bad rap is because them other jokers saw it for themselves. The only reason they believe is because they saw it for themselves. And we're giving Thomas a bad rap because he wasn't there. So, I, 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 I want you to understand that just because you have questions doesn't make you bad. Questions make you human. Oswald Chambers, this is what he said. He says, doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he's thinking. Sometimes it's okay to have questions and doubts. Your doubts, number one, don't disqualify your faith. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith, it doesn't cancel it out. How can a finite mind understand the infinite intricacies of our vast God? We can't comprehend all there is to comprehend. Of course, we're going to have questions along the way. Of course, we're going to have doubts along the way. Of course, we're going to have hard circumstances that don't make sense. I want to tell you that your doubts do not disqualify your faith. If I was to rank the disciples in order, I'd put Thomas somewhere up at the top. And here's why. Here's why. Because Thomas makes some other appearances in Scripture besides this one. Now he's kind of a pessimist. My wife would say a realist. You know, I'm always like be all right she's like what if this happens and this happens i'm like yeah like it drives her nuts because she she's a realist she sees all the possibilities of what could be and thomas is kind of that way and so we read in the scriptures other times he's made an appearance but but I, i want you to know i want you to evaluate for yourself do you think this is a man who who lacks faith all right so so in john chapter 11 verse 14 through 16 to kind of understand what's going on lazarus has died you know who lazarus is Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends, and he gets news that he has died, but instead of getting there right away, he waits four, uh, about four days. The King James say he stinketh. You know what that means? That's street language for he is stanky. All right, they didn't have refrigeration back then. They put him in a hole and close it up in his hope for the best, right? And it's four days now, and he says, let's go see Lazarus, and this is what this is what Thomas in John chapter eleven, verse fourteen through sixteen it says. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, "Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him." Then said Thomas, which is Didymus, unto his his fellow disciples, "Let us go, let us also go, that we may die with him." Now let me help you understand. In Jerusalem, Jesus was a wanted man and in his mind going back to jerusalem was a death sentence going back to jerusalem meant they're probably going to get killed and so thomas says hey fellas let's go with them so we can die with them does that sound like a man that lacks faith that's a man of courage jesus i'm going with you because if you die i'm dying now he may not understood everything but he understood his love for the lord he was committed Jesus, I go where you go. And if you go back to Jerusalem and they take you captive, they're going to have to go through me first. Right? Like he was willing to die for Jesus. That don't seem like a coward. That don't seem like a a puny little disciple. That don't seem like doubting Thomas. He's a little pessimistic. (laughs) He's a realist. But he's he's willing to go the distance. What What about in John chapter 14? In John chapter 14, Jesus is telling them, he's, he's saying, hey guys, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. And, and, and Thomas is listening to all this with all the other disciples. And at the end of his little speech, he raises his hand. He's like, I got a question. In John chapter 14, verse 5, he says, Thomas saith in him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? In other words, I want to go where you're going, Jesus. I need some directions. Now, I love he's asking these questions because, you know, the other disciples are are thinking it, but they're not verbalizing it. I want to let you know it is so awesome to ask questions because some of the questions you're thinking are what other people are thinking, too. And sometimes it needs to be asked. Sometimes we need to talk about some things. And he says, Jesus, we hear that you're going somewhere and you're going to prepare a place, but we don't know where you're going. And I love he asked this question because it gives us John chapter 14, verse six, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father but by me. This is that that sentence that we have repeated time and time again. You know why we have that sentence? Because Thomas asked the question. I don't think Thomas is a weak little man who doubts. I think it, when you have questions, it's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. But here's something I have noticed in Thomas's life and when I noticed in other people's life is that when doubts and questions left undealt with, when you keep stuffing things down and not talking about things and researching things and asking the questions, you keep thinking, well, all Christians have this figured out, so I just need to quit. And you quit doubting. I just need to quit thinking about things and you quit asking questions. You keep stuffing it down and stuffing it down and stuffing it down. Eventually, what's going to happen is it will take you out. I, I, I want you to see. Back in John chapter 20, in verse 24, all the disciples are together. All of them. But in verse 24, John chapter 20, verse 24, it says this, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas is a pessimist, sure. He, he's a realist. He, he thinks the, the negative side of things. But when he let his questions and his doubts get to him, the first thing we see him do is pull away from the other believers. He's not with the others. Have you ever, ever, ever sat in a service where the preachers is preaching, boy, shucking the corn, as they say? You know, we used to have in Florida, downtown, uh, down South Florida, we used to have what they call uh, leather lung mountain preachers, and this they show up with a red face. I mean, they just stay red the whole time, vein popping out their neck, and "Ah!" they just holler the whole time. And they're getting with it. And ever sat and thought while you're listening to this, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Ever heard a message, you wish you had your friend here, or you, you're, maybe you're preaching on marriage. You're like, man, I wish my wife was here. You know? But you, you wish that somebody was here. Anybody ever been in a message where you're like, man, I wish somebody was here? Okay, this I think was what's happening. The disciples are all together. Jesus appears to them, reveals himself to them, and he, I bet they're thinking, man, I wish Thomas was here. I wish Thomas was here. And here's the thing, out of fellowship, believers will miss so much. I think this is why we are told to commit to the fellowshipping of one another as we see the day approaching. We're told to stay together. Why? Because the moment you leave the fellowship of believers, you miss out. And here's what I've come to know, and I want you to write this down. Here's what I've understood through all of my years of just observing. The first step away from God is always a step away from God's people. When anybody starts living the way they want to live, doing the things they want to do, what's the first thing they do? They quit coming to church. The first step away from God is always a step away from God's people. And so we have Thomas. Why wasn't he with them? Everybody's together. Everybody's celebrating. Or, or, or I wouldn't say celebrating at this point, but everybody's kind of like, you know, together. And they're, 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 they're thinking about what has all took place. And they're wondering. And, and Thomas is out alone. And, and it's always a step away from God's people when you start stepping away from God. And when Christians are in fellowship with Christ, they desire to seek the fellowship of other people. When you're walking with Christ, you want to be around people, don't you? And when you're not walking with Christ, you don't want to be around those people. And so we see Thomas, he's out of fellowship. And, 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 and I, I think how many times have you noticed when people start living for themselves, they start getting, out of, get, start getting wayward. And think about what Thomas missed. Thomas missed so much by not being with other believers. He missed on God's blessing. He missed out on Christ's presence. He missed out on the Holy Spirit's outpouring. He missed out on the joy of heart. He missed out on the assurance of his faith becoming sight. He missed out so much because he allowed questions and doubts and worries to take him out of fellowship with other believers. So you have to deal with doubts. You, you can't keep stuffing them down. Because eventually they will take you out. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you some, some ways on how to handle doubt. Y'all ready? We're going to give you some ways on how to handle doubts when they come up. Let's go back to chapter 20 of John. John chapter 20. So remember, they said, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. And he says, listen, I'm not going to believe until I put my fingers into his nail scars, my hand into his side. And then in verse 26, verse 26. Y'all need to underline this, circle this, put an asterisk about it, whatever. But look at that first phrase. After how many days? days. After eight days. It says, uh, again, the disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. All right, I I need y'all to see this. I need you to see this. He kept showing up. Even when he had doubts, he kept showing up for eight days. Could you imagine? They're saying, we saw the Lord, we saw the Lord, we saw the Lord. And he says, I'm not going to believe it until I see it for myself. And he said, we saw the Lord. And he just keeps showing up. I, I would assume after day five or six, you start feeling a little validated in your disbelief, right? I told you guys. Told you. But on day eight, on day eight, Jesus walked through the doors. Doors being shut, he walked through the doors and appeared. And he says, peace be with you. I want you to understand that... Even in the middle of Thomas' doubts, even when he wasn't sure, even when he wasn't completely sold, he showed back up. I want to just say, if there's anybody in this place today that you're experiencing some past hurts, you've got some questions that you can't answer, there's some situations that seem unfair, you've got some questions in your own mind that you feel like you can't find answers to, I want to applaud you today for being here because you keep showing up. This is a big deal. Exactly what you need to be doing. Keep showing up, even when it don't make sense. That you keep showing up, even when you don't have all the answers. That you keep showing up. And this is what Thomas did. Now, I want to ask you a question. What did Jesus do when he saw Thomas? He came to Thomas. He came to Thomas. One moment, Thomas is doubting. The next moment, he's shouting, My Lord and my God. He was convinced then, but it's because he kept showing up. And I want you to see this. Jesus is not a standoff savior. And this is what I mean by this. Jesus is not scared of your doubts. Jesus is not scared of your questions. He knew what Thomas was looking for. He knew what Thomas needed. And he didn't appear in the room and go, Thomas, you idiot. No, what did he do? He opened up his arms. He says, Thomas. Here, come, come touch. Come come feel, Thomas. You know, <laughs> in our resurrected bodies, we're gonna have a perfect body. Christ chose to keep the scars. You know why? That's his trophy. That's his victory trophy. I won, Thomas. Look! Come look, Thomas. Look, don't don't doubt no more, Thomas. You don't have to be shamed anymore. Thomas, you don't have to have any more questions. Just come look. I love that our Jesus is not a standoff Savior, that He'll come close to the doubters, that He'll come near to those who have questions. That's who our Jesus is. And so, what happened to Thomas? I'll tell you what happened to Thomas. Tradition tells us that He went on preaching Jesus everywhere He went. He kept preaching Jesus and he kept preaching Jesus and he kept preaching Jesus everywhere that he went. And tradition says that he was executed in the year 72 AD because he wouldn't stop preaching Jesus. They said, you've got to stop preaching Jesus. He says, oh, if you saw what I saw and if you touched what I touched, you wouldn't shut up either. He said, so he wouldn't be quiet. And he kept preaching Jesus everywhere he went. And so they threw, they, they shoved a stake through his stomach and he died because he would not quit preaching Jesus. He doesn't seem much like a doubter anymore, does he? And here's what I've come to understand. The greatest doubters oftentimes become the strongest believers. The strongest doubters oftentimes will become the strongest believers. The Bible is full, a dump truck load of doubters. Adam, Eve, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, David, Gideon, Elijah, John the Baptist, Peter, Thomas. Did God give up? No. Man, we look at them sometimes as heroes of the faith. God didn't ask people to pretend to have it all figured out, by the way. He don't want you to pretend like you got it all figured out. Post-resurrection, and these disciples are still doubting. They're looking at Jesus, and they're still doubting. And I I, I want us to go back to Matthew 28, because this is a great commission. Matthew 28, I want you to look at this. Because we read that He appeared to some, in verse 17, it says some worshipped, in Matthew 28, verse 17, but then it says that some doubted. But but if you got these next verses, I don't think I gave it to you, but 18 through 20. Jesus doesn't stumble. He didn't, he didn't just like, oh, guys, why are you doubting? No, he just keeps on talking. Look what he says in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake to them, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Here's what he's saying. Hey, worshipers. And doubters, I need you to go. you got a mission. And you may not have it all figured out yet. That's okay. But you need to go. And I'm going to go with you. And you'll have some doubts along the way. You'll have some new doubts come up. But I'm telling you, I'm sending you out, doubts and all. Go. Go. Continue worshiping. See, disciples, are not, they're not people who never doubt. I don't want you to ever feel like you're less of a Christian because you've had questions. I want you to be assured that Jesus understands we're going to have questions and doubts sometimes. They doubt... And they still help each other out. They doubt, and they still went serving. They doubt, and they still went. And so what's going to happen at some point in your life, you're going to have some doubts. But i am come to tell somebody that Jesus will draw you to himself in the middle of your doubts. Many of you know I try to be transparent as possible. There's no, there's no benefit for me trying to hide what goes on in my life. I think it makes me more relatable to you and makes you understand that this platform isn't some, some kind of holy thing where the only pure, perfect people get up here. Because, Lord, I'm far from it. But there was a time not very long ago on a Wednesday night I was getting ready to preach down there in the rock. And we're in the worship part of the, of, the, of, the, of the night. And I'm getting, I'm over to the side getting ready. And out of nowhere, these thoughts came into my mind. What if this is just make-believe? What if this is emotion? What if this isn't real? I'm minutes away from preaching, y'all. And I'm having these thoughts in my head. And I broke because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, ah, I'm going to have to fake it, I guess. I don't know. But I'm, I'm praying, I'm like, God, help me, help me. God, help my thoughts, help me, help me. And he, re- he reminded me of a 17-year-old boy laying face down on the carpet in his bedroom, crying out to God to save him and saying, God, I surrender and he reminded me that that boy that went down on his knees was different than the boy that got up off of his knees. And he's saying, Andrew, if there's ever any evidence that I exist, look at your life. You are different. You are not who you used to be. I've changed you and transformed you. I've purposed you and called you to do a mighty thing. Andrew, if you've ever doubted, just remember what I've done in you. That was it. I said, All right. <laughs> I was ready to preach then, but i 'm telling you there have been moments in my life recently where i 've struggled with doubts, and I want you to understand that faith is not the absence of doubt, but faith is the, is the means to push through some doubt psalm twenty three says yea though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death some, some of y'all in here are walking through the valley of shadow of doubt, but I want you to know that doubt is not a dead end you 're walking through it you 're getting through it you 're going to get to the other side you don 't have to have faultless faith, you just need A little faith. Here's something else I've learned. You need to ask how questions. I've learned in my life that God doesn't always answer my why questions. Have you learned that? He don't always answer my whys. Why is this happening? Why are you doing this? God, why this way? But when I stop and say, God, I don't understand. I don't. God, please help me understand how, how I can worship you, how my faith can deepen, how I can be a faithful servant, because God, I don't understand why. But please help me understand how. I believe when we start changing in the middle of our doubts, we start ch- changing from whys to hows, you'll see a difference. If you're a Christ follower and you say, you know, I've never had doubts, then I doubt your Your sanity. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story of a father bringing his boy to Jesus. And he brings this boy, he's sick and dying, he says, Jesus, if you can, will you please heal him? And Jesus looks at him and says, if I can. He says, all things are possible to them who believe. And the man replies, he says, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe this is one of the most honest things we could ever say. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. What was the thing? He had enough faith to get the boy to Jesus, but he didn't th- quite think he would do it. Right. He had still a little bit of unbelief in him. Yep. I think that's okay. I, I think that's okay, because that, the place to get is not to the place that we have no doubts, N-O doubts, but the place that we get to we have K-N-O-W doubts. We know doubts. We, we know what our struggles are. We, we know what our questions are. We, we, we understand that it's okay not to, not to understand everything. And here's the last thing I want you to know. Eternity will make all the difference. Eternity makes all the difference. Let me explain why this is. Because there's some unbelievers, people who are not trusted in Christ, that struggle with even the existence of, of God. Now, now, you may not struggle with the existence of God, but you may doubt His power. You may doubt His presence. You may doubt His provision. You might doubt His promise. You might doubt a lot of things about God, but you don't doubt He exists. There's some people who doubt He even exists. And here's some of the things that they, the reasons they doubt. It's, it's because if this is it, if this is the life that we have, why is God not fixing my pain? Right? If, if I don't believe there's an afterlife and this is all I got, then if your God is real, then how come this life is full of pain? If, if I'm an unbeliever and I don't know, I, I, would, I would assume that God is not real because I look at this life and I'm like, man, God is not good or he's not powerful, one or the other. Or, or maybe, maybe their question is, if God has not fixed this, he cannot be all good or all powerful. So you, you think, if, if your expectation is there's nothing after this life, that this is all it is, then yeah, if there's a God, you would think that he would fix this, Right? Maybe it's this question. how know some of y'all have asked this question, If there is a God, then why do bad things happen to good people?" I've struggled with this question. My daddy was, he's the strongest man I know. Love him. And then he gets diagnosed with Parkinson's. I hate that, because the disease is slowly taking away his ability to use his body. It's no cure, it's progressive. He was going to get to enjoy retirement and go fishing and golfing and every day. And then Parkinson's just taking that away slowly. And so they decided we're going to do this surgery to implant electrodes into his brain, to send electrical pulses into his brain to help co- combat the tremors, right? It's this new age surgery that they're going to do. And so we did the surgery and everything was kind of hopeful. We was already planning all the things we was going to do. All the fishing trips and all the golf trips and everything else. And then a couple months after the surgery, in November of last year, he has a stroke. And the stroke was a symptom of the surgery. And I look at my dad, who is the kindest, most generous, selfless person I know, who invested in me, who took me to church, who taught me the books of the Bible, who spent countless hours with me, and I think, God... Why him? And then on top of that, my wife, who I love, (laughs) the greatest mother, greatest wife, the epitome of a Proverbs 31 woman, gets diagnosed with leukemia in March. Can Can I be honest with you and say me and God has had a lot of hard conversations recently. And I've had a lot of questions. And I've had a lot of doubts along the way. That that I-65 ride back and forth, me and God had a lot of conversations in that car. That ride back and forth to Panama City to see my dad, yeah, me and God had a lot of conversations in that car. But then God reminds me, Andrew, this ain't all it. The best is yet to come. Eternity makes all the difference. And so I want to encourage you today. You might have some doubts and some questions and things. I had a friend of mine say this. He said, I cannot wait till I get to heaven so I can have all my questions answered. And I looked at him. I said, I can't wait to get to heaven because I won't even care about the questions. Because there is coming a day that my daddy will never have a tremor again. And there's coming a day my wife will never be poked with a needle again. There's coming a day where everything's going to be made perfect and good and right. And so eternity makes the difference. You might have a lot of questions on this side of eternity, but I'm telling you, when you step into the next life, you won't even care. When you're enjoying His presence for all eternity, I'm telling you. The best is yet to come. But if you forget about eternity... It's real easy to get caught up in the doubts here. you got to keep eternity in focus. God, I don't understand. God, I don't know at all. I believe but help my unbelief at times, God. I wish I had all the answers, but I don't, God. So help me know how I can worship you, how I can serve you. I know the best is yet to come, but God, keep that in the front of my mind so I don't get discouraged because there's a lot of hurts I'm experiencing right now. And I know one day these hurts are going to disappear. I know one day this pain is going to disappear. I know one day this chaos is going to disappear. But right now, God, I'm in it. So I don't understand, but please help me.